think I was talking to your pastor earlier, telling him secrets I didn't expect for him to tell <laughs> to church. Of course, he didn't tell them all. <laughs> but um, uh, Lord just started closing doors on us and just started slamming one door after another after another. And it was just so many doors where if I kept staying, if I stayed there, it would have been really, I'd, it was obvious I couldn't stay there. And we kept dragging our feet. We didn't want to leave. And it got to the point where I told my dad, my dad's a pastor in northwest Indiana. And I told my dad, Dad, if we stay here, I feel like I'd be in direct disobedience to the Lord. And I can't do that. I mean, you can't do As a man of God, you can't do that. Even as a Christian, you can't do that. And um, so we just kept, we were praying about it. And in um, October, November, December, and by December, it was very obvious we couldn't stay there. I just, after, 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 the, after the crackhead attack, I told the Lord, like, Lord, I know you don't have to punch me in the face to tell me, okay? I, I'm well aware of this fact. <laughs> so the Lord sent us a very good man to take over the church. We kind of merged our church with another church. So our church people are still going there, and they're still, they're still uh, following the Lord. So that's a blessing, because that was very important to us. We did not just want to leave our church people without a shepherd. So the Lord, Lord took care of that for us. And I, I thought we were done. I did. I, I prayed. I asked the Lord. I said, I'll be 40 years old uh, next month. And I said, Lord, am I done? And I, I asked, are you going to put me in the shelf? And it was sad. It was, really, it was a really dark time in my life, in our life, in our Christian life. Uh, when you feel the call of the Lord upon you, uh, on you and you think the Lord is done with you, you're like, it's sad. It's sad. It's discouraging. It's depressing. And um, on deputation, I met, a, I met a good friend down in Texas. Uh, he's going to the, he was going on deputation, going to the country of Belgium. And about three years ago, he called me up, he said, and he does a lot, he's real techie, he does a lot of things online, and he asked me to do some Bible things with him online. And so I've been doing that with him for the last three years. I, I've preached online for his church over there in Belgium. And so we were doing something last November, or December, December, I can't remember which one. And uh, he, I told him, I said, Brother Junior, just please pray for us. I said, I, we're going to have to leave, we don't want to, and I don't know what's going to happen. And he said, well, how about you pray about coming with us? I said, okay, I didn't, I didn't really want to. I didn't want to leave Costa Rica. But my wife's had some heart issues, and we really couldn't stay in a hot-weather climate for long term if I, if I want her to stay alive. And I like her. I mean, she's my bodyguard, so I've got to keep her around. <laughs> so, so, so I said, okay, I'll start praying about it. But I didn't really pray about it because I didn't want to leave Costa Rica. And it just then it became obvious we couldn't stay there. We left there in February. And I started praying, and Lord started opening all these doors. And honestly, I don't really know, outside Brother Junior there, who's a bit younger than me, I don't really know any other missionaries there. And there's only about four or five Baptist missionaries there. One doesn't count, he's a Calvinist, so he doesn't even count as a, mission, as a missionary. He's like, get rid of that guy. So, so there's, there's, really, there's 11 million people there. And I thought, Lord, I've never heard of any missionaries. And the Lord really just piqued my interest. I thought, well, it's, it's a good, good climate for Jen. Uh, they, need, they need the gospel. There's a lot of work there to be done right away. Because he has an international church there. He's in a, a university town. And so he has about people from 90 different countries in his church. And he said, brother, I need help. He has people driving from two and a half hours away to go to his church just because there's no Baptist churches there. And we, we came up here. We drove. There's some over there. Some, I mean, there's churches everywhere in America. I'm, I'm glad for that. But over there, there's nothing. And plus, there's a second missionary, a self-supported ex-military man in the south about an hour away. And he was thinking about retiring in a couple of years. So Brother Junior said, how about let's just pray? We're gonna, so we're going to go work over there with Brother Junior and kind of help the other missionary that's with the military ministry down there. And we have a plan to plant a church on the east side, a third church. But about eight, nine weeks ago, this other missionary, his name is uh, Alton Mickle, his 31-year-old son just passed away. Out of the blue, had a heart attack and passed away. 
left behind a two-year-old daughter, and his wife's about six or seven months pregnant. So I called him up, and he wants to leave. He wants to go back and be with his grandkids, and that's very understandable. As, so, as soon as, so as soon as we get there, we're going to take over the military ministry, military church down there, about an hour from my friend. So uh, we still have the plan to plant the church on the east side. And so um, we're gonna run, between the two of us, we'll run three different churches. That's, the Lord's, that's, that's our plans, Lord willing. And I think we should be down there by November. So Lord's, Lord's open up all these doors. Everything's going smooth. So if I, do, if I could ask for a couple of prayer requests, um, just pray that we find a house down there. First of all, pray for Juan Franco, that God just touch, touches him and heals him up. And if you pray for a house, and then pray for Brother Mickle, for their family, just to get through that, that tragedy there as well. But I do thank you for everything you, have, you guys have done for us. You guys are a blessing to us. It's nice being in a good Bible-believing church. It really is. It's good to be with like-minded people, and I appreciate that. I grew up in the, I grew up in the Ruckman crowd, so it does not bother me at all to be around them. I love it, in fact. <laughs> I grew up in the Bible-believing crowd. I don't ever plan on leaving it, Lord willing. Lord willing, you can't ever say no, take heed lest you fall, right? But I don't ever have any, I don't have any plans of leaving it. So, <laughs> so um, that's, that's what the Lord's laid in our heart. I do thank you. Not every church stuck with us. That's their right. They're allowed to do that. But I do thank you uh, for sticking with us, for having confidence in us to follow the Lord's will. So I do thank you for that. All right, brother, do you really preach for a long, long time or a short time? <laughs> Should I ask the people instead, not you? <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to go to 2 Kings 22. We're going to go to two different places. I need... Ooh, you have M&M's up here. Wow. Oh, that is cool. Okay, well, I was, looking for, I was looking for a bookmark. This morning, I just used the bulletin. Man, M&M's are so much cooler. So, although they... I was not expecting that when I looked down. Life is full of surprises. Good surprises. I'm sorry, for those of you that don't know me, I'm a little bit of a weird missionary. <laughs> You can ask Ethan, Ethan King. He worked with me for a year, so I feel sorry for him as well. So <laughs> just feel bad for him, okay? All right. <laughs> Let's start off with the And I actually feel bad for his wife because I know Ethan fairly decently as well. <laughs> no, thank you, she says. The biggest amen I get all night. No. <laughs> Let's, uh, Let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us. Lord, thank you for this church. Lord, this church is a lighthouse to the lost. Lord, these people are here because they love you. I ask if you just speak through me. I ask if you just get me out of the way. Lord, you gave me something from this. Please help me to give them what you've given me. Lord, if it is your will in your name, amen. Amen. All right, 2 Kings 22 and also 2 Chronicles 24. Do we have any homeschoolers here or no? Just a few? Okay, so we're the smart ones, aren't we? I was homeschooled as well. So I'm going to preach tonight on a tale of two kings. A tale of two kings. Please tell me if someone catches that reference. What is it? Thank you. Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens. Thank you. I grew up with the disadvantage of having a TV. I did not have a TV growing up, so I had to read and use my imagination. It was horrible. So I used to actually read Shakespeare for fun. I don't know if that makes me a dork or pretty smart, or both. I'm not sure. So, <laughs> but the uh, Lord showed me something out of here. I'm going to talk about these two different kings, the tale of two kings, the King Josiah and the King Joash. We're going to read uh, 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty and one years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah of Bosketh. That was a horrible name for a woman, by the way. Jedidiah. Who would name their daughter Jedidiah? That's awful. All right, Second Chronicles twenty-four. We're gonna read about these two different kings. <clears throat> Second Chronicles. So we're gonna flip back and forth between these two things a lot. So 
If you guys need a bookmark, I have a whole bag of M&Ms up here. I can throw you each one. <laughs> you guys can put that right in the center. Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> so, what are the M&Ms for? Oh, okay. We did that in Costa Rica as well. So, my birthday's next month. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, not quite. Not quite. Second Chronicles 24.1 says, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zebiah of Beersheba. So, these are two kings in the Bible. They both have a lot of similarities. And it's very interesting, if you look at these similarities between the two kings, how they started out, their life, they had a very interesting, very, very similar uh, life. But at the end of their lives, one ended up in the Lord's will, and the other ended up way out there. So I want to look at these two kings, and I want to look at a few things about them and figure out what, why did one end up good, and why did one end up bad. So it's a tale of two kings. Now, if you look at them, they both started out very similar. Uh, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. Uh, Josiah was eight years old. Like, can you imagine having a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old being a king? And I know our president's not the greatest right now, but at least he's not seven or eight. My, <laughs> my youngest is eight. His life revolves around three o'clock snack and poop jokes. That's really what his life revolves around. I'm not joking. It's true. Um, three, if he was the king or the president, he would declare something at three o'clock has to have a snack. You have to stop whatever you do and just eat a snack. A couple, what was it a Tuesday, Wednesday? We, were, uh, we, were, we had a late lunch, and we got done around one. And he looks at the clock and goes, yes, two more hours. I said, for what? He said, till snack time. <laughs> like, you just had lunch. How are you, how are you still hungry? I want my snack. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the mentality of a seven or eight-year-old. But these two men, these two boys, were kings at that age. Um, they both actually both came back from a very traumatic childhood. Uh, that's why they were kings at the young age. If you look at Josiah, his father was killed by the people of the land. There was a conspiracy. They killed Josiah. And that's why he became king at eight years old. And if you look at Joash, his, uh, his father was killed by the Old Testament version of Hillary Clinton, also known as Athaliah. Everyone around her suddenly committed suicide. I don't know. <laughs> but he, she was killed. She wiped, out all the, uh, she wiped out all the royal seed, and then he was taken by the, by the high priest and hid. And then they finally got rid of her, and he became king at seven years old. So they both had very interesting, very interesting uh, starts to their life. Both of them lived a very short life. Neither one made 50. One reigned 40 years, the other reigned 31 years. And I have to admit, a lot of times, for a long time, I just kind of um, mashed them together. You know, you always, if you don't study the Bible, you just kind of glaze through things, don't you? Especially Second Chronicles. Like, First Chronicles is really boring. It is, if you have to, if you have to be honest. First Chronicles is kind of boring. Then you get through, and you're like, oh, I just read all this in Second Kings, so I'm just going to speed through it. <laughs> we do. <laughs> just me? No one else? Oh, okay, everyone does. Okay. What does the Bible say? Speed through the Bible to show yourself approved unto God. <laughs> study. So you guys study. But for the longest time, I thought Joash and Josiah were kind of the same person. And Joash is kind of interesting because there's like two or three Joashes and there's another one called Jehoash. And at one point, Joash was the king of Israel and Joash was the king of Judah, but two different people. So it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of confusing. But God puts things in the Bible for a reason, for us to study out and to learn and to grow and so I want to look at these two guys here. They're both very similar, but both very different. Uh, they both accomplished a lot in their relatively short time on earth. Uh, Josiah, remember he had that, that, um, that prophecy about him? One of, the great, one of the best stories there, uh, when the young prophet went to Jeroboam and said, we're going to go to first, uh, yeah, first Kings 13.2. We're going to read about this prophecy here. Something that shows uh, the King James Bible is perfect as well. Amen. First Kings 13.2. We know the story about Jeroboam. We stand there by the altar ready to burn incense. 
<clears throat> and this unnamed prophet comes up. 1 Kings 13, 2 says, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, the child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. And if you, re- you go down, you can see all these prophecies. And several hundred years later, this happens. This is how he shows that the Bible is perfect. Man, Nostradamus says, oh, the sun's going to rise tomorrow, and we call him a genius, right? <laughs> Anyone can say the sun's going to rise tomorrow, and you can get it right at, one, uh, at least one of the times. There's one dude, uh, there's one dude uh, maybe I'll get in trouble if I say this. I'll, I'll make fun of him anyway. I think he's an idiot. There's some YouTube preacher that, pre- that um, predicts every year that Jesus is coming back in September. I think he's predicted like eight years in a row. <laughs> one, I told my dad, one of these years, the Lord's going to come back in September of like 2089, and the guy's going to be like, yes, called it. So <laughs> he's going to do it. I know he's going to do it. <laughs> he's going to say it every year until he gets there too, though. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the Bible's perfect. I mean, Josiah did this several hundred years later, fulfilled this prophecy. Uh, Joash, in his, line, in his reign... Look at my, my bookmark is falling. I do need those M&Ms is what it is. <laughs> Joash, in his thing, he, in his reign, he repaired the temple. He did a lot of stuff there. We'll go to Second Chronicles 24. Second uh, Chronicles 24, verse 25. No, excuse me, not 24, 25. Second Chronicles 24, 8 and 9. says in 2 Chronicles 24, 8, At the king's commandment they made a chest and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through, uh, through Judah and Jerusalem to bring in to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And if you read down, they said they, they were fixing things, they were repairing the temple. Uh, Josiah, during his reign, there was a national revival. So there's, there's a lot of similarities between these two things. They both died uh, violent deaths near the end of their, at the end of their lives, obviously. But there's a, little bit, there's a couple little different things. We're going to look at their deaths now. Second Chronicles 35-25. This is Josiah. And I'm kind of laying the groundwork here so we can get into the message. We're going to read a lot of scripture because that's how you should preach. If you don't preach and you don't read... If you, don't, if you say like one verse or if you don't even use a verse to preach and you're doing it wrong. Yep. <laughs> Second Chronicles 35-25 and 26. This is after Josiah's death. This is here we see a little, the two differences. Josiah died in battle fighting the, fighting the Egyptians. Second Chronicles 35, 25 says, And Jeremiah lamented for Josiah. And all the singing men and the singing women spake of Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and made them an ordinance in Israel. And behold, they are written in the lamentations. So this man was a beloved king. He was loved by his people. If you go to Second Chronicles 24, a couple chapters back, we're going to look at Joash. Now, I don't want to bang on Joash too much because he did accomplish some things in his life but he had some problems in his life. He had some issues. And I'm going to look at that a little bit. Second Chronicles 24, 24 says, For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men. And the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment upon jo- against Joash. And when they were departed from him, for they left him in great diseases, his own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest, and slew him on his bed, and he died. And they buried him in the, in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings. So there's a big difference there. They said, Joash, we don't even like this guy. We don't even want him to count him as a king. He's just getting buried out there. Uh, his own people killed him. So there's something that happened right there in the, in the middle there. Now I want to look at both of these men here. We're going to look at a couple. They both had some similarities. They had some good similarities, but there's also something bad that happened there. And I want to look at that. But first of all, I'll go to Second Chronicles 24. We're going to stay in this chapter here. Both these men wanted to serve the Lord in their lifetime. 
Both of these men wanted to serve the Lord. Second Chronicles 24, verse 4, says, And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. I believe Joash was a good man for a while. I really do. Verse 5, And he gathered together the priests and the Levites and said to them, Go out into the cities of Judah and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year. And see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hasted it not. We're going to go back to 2 Kings 22, verse 10. We're going to look at these two men. They both had a mind. They both wanted to serve the Lord. They both wanted to do something right with their life. And I believe everyone here wants to do something right with your life. Does everyone here? If you don't say yes, then you're, then you're pretty bad. But I believe everyone here, we want to please the Lord with our life, don't we? We want to serve the Lord. That's, what we, that's why God made us. 2 Kings 22, verse 10 says, And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of uh, Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asaiah the servant of the, king, uh, the, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah. So these two men, they both wanted to serve the Lord. They both, when, when uh, Josiah here, they found the book, said something's wrong, we need to fix this. Both these men wanted to serve the Lord. But if we're going to want to do something for the Lord, ha- we have to start with the heart. Doesn't we have to start with the heart? If we're going to do something for the Lord, we need to focus on the inside more than the outside. True revival comes from the inside. What was the Pharisees' problem? They looked at they looked at all they looked at everything outside, right? They looked at the suits and the ties and all. And you know, um, you got you know, you got the perfect haircut. You had this and that. My wife actually ironed my shirt today. I don't normally travel with her a whole lot, so she ironed my shirt today. I actually I told us this morning. I usually wear three piece because I only have to iron right here. That's the, that's the only reason. I'm dead serious. You think I'm joking. That is the reason I wear a three-piece. Because I have to iron most of my own clothes. <laughs> so if you iron right there, you don't see anything else. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, you know what? Work smarter, not harder. That's what I say. <laughs> but we look at the outside. We look at everything looks good and all, oh, but we don't see the heart. And both these men wanted to serve the Lord. But we've got to start with the heart. And, and the key here is they both wanted to do right. They had a mind to serve the Lord. Joash minded to repair the temple. Josiah figured out, found out what was right, and he wanted to have a national revival. But we need to serve the Lord, do we not? They both wanted to serve the Lord. You have to start with the heart. And it costs something. You know, it costs something to serve the Lord. It doesn't cost everyone. Um, sometimes, some missionaries, it costs them a lot. It, I, I can't, I'm not complaining. It hasn't cost me a whole lot. I got to get away from my in-laws. <laughs> that, <laughs> Love you, babe. No. <laughs> it doesn't cost us a whole lot. Like, there's some missionaries in Ukraine. Man, they're losing everything. Bombs are falling on their house. Uh, think about Christians in China, Christians in the Middle East. It costs them a lot. It's going to cost you to serve the Lord. These guys, had to, these guys had to spend some time. They had to get right. It's going to cost us. Sometimes it'll cost us the job, maybe. Sometimes it'll cost us friends. We don't know. And in America, we have it pretty easy, don't we? It doesn't cost much for us to be Christians. It really doesn't. But it's going to cost something. It's going to cost maybe a hobby or, or something like that. But it's going to cost something to follow the Lord. So both these men wanted to do right. They had a mind, the Bible says, Josiah, or jo- Joash, excuse me, had a mind to do right. Uh, for, now we're going to go back to Second Chronicles 24. Both men got rid of the wrong in their kingdoms. Both men got rid of the wrong in their kingdoms. Second Chronicles 24, verse 6 and 7. It says, And the king, this is Joash here, called for Jehoiada the chief. And said unto him, Why hast thou not required the Levites to bring in, out of, bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of Moses, 
the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel for the tabernacle of witnesses, for the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God. And also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Balaam. So he wanted to get rid of some things. Go to 2 Kings 23, verse 4. 2 Kings 23, 4, 3. Both of these men wanted to serve the Lord, but both of them also got rid of the wrong that was in their kingdoms. Like us, we got things wrong in our life, don't we? We got to get, wrong, uh, get rid of the wrong that's in our life. 2 Kings 23, 4 says, And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, and the priests of the second order, and the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal, and for the grove, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and carried the ashes of them into Bethel. And if you read 5, 6, 7, all the way down to 11, all the way down to 12, all the way down to 13, actually 14, he's just getting rid of everything. Verse 8, I really, or verse 7, I really like verse 7. And he broke down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord, where the, where the women wove hangings for the grove. And he's getting rid of all the wickedness out. I just noticed that women wove hangings, kind of like a gay flag hanging. <laughs> I don't know. He's rid of that. I don't know. I just thought of that right now. Don't, don't kill me, people. No, <laughs> we actually, we were in uh, Battle Creek this morning, and we drove through this little tiny town. A little tiny town had one of those, those flags hanging out, and it actually made me mad. I, wanted to, I get angry when I see that stuff. I want to yell at stuff, yell at people, but my wife makes me, she, she kind of, she puts her reins on me. <laughs> but it does, it makes me mad. That stuff is, it's, it's a sin. Right. Well, you're proud of your sin? Yeah. Why are we proud of our sin? Pride month. Oh, please. Okay, no. Focus, focus. My wife says I have ADD. I kind of get, I chase rabbits occasionally. Okay, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but they, there's wrong in their life. There's wrong in their kingdom, and they got rid of it. And they didn't just stall around and say, you know, we might offend someone. I think the Sodomites were offended when their house got destroyed. Who cares? It's sin, and they got rid of it. I think people were offended when he was throwing out the idols and burning the idols and stamping things in powder and getting... It doesn't matter. Who cares? The preaching of the cross is an offense, is it not? Sometimes God's going to point out stuff in our life, and it's an offense to us. And what do we do? Growing up, I used to sit next to my mom in church, and if I started wiggling around, she'd pinch me right there in that nerve. Like, you're enti- oh, it's awful. She's, my mother's a dictator. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> she'd pinch me like the entire body wouldn't go numb. You'd sit there like this, like, oh, like, for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Sooner I did, I moved to the front seat. She couldn't reach me. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but sometimes God does that. He puts his finger on something in our life, and our whole body goes numb. What do we do? Do we move to the front seat where God can't reach us, or do we get rid of the stuff in our life? Get rid of that. If God points something out in your life, get rid of it. Take it out. Get out of it. That's what, that's what Joash did. That's what Josiah did. It doesn't really matter if it costs you. I don't think he kind of, he didn't put these idols up for sale on eBay, did he? He went and destroyed them. We had, a young, we had a young man, an old man in our, well, I shouldn't say that old. He was 65. If you're 65, you're still young, but he was an old 65. But he got, he got saved on there. He owned a liquor store, and he sold heroin. He was actually in the video, the older guy with a gray shirt. He was, he was telling his testimony for like the 8,000th time I've heard it. And he got saved. You know what he did? He took every drop of liquor and poured it down the drain. He didn't go sell it. He didn't go, because everyone told him, what are you doing? You can make a lot of money. He said, I don't care. He poured every drop down the drain. He told me, he said, before I used to walk around with $900 in my pocket. Now he lives on, what, 120 bucks a month? That's what he lives on. He said, but now I have Jesus in my heart, so that's better. <laughs> that's better. He got rid of all that junk that's in his life. <clears throat> Perhaps, I doubt, I doubt we have heroin. I, I don't think anyone here is walking around selling heroin. 
If you do, you got bigger problems, okay? But God's got some stuff in your, you got some stuff in your life that God sees. And he's going to put his finger on you and he's like, get it out of here. He's going to. It doesn't matter if you're in the front row or the back row. We have something in our lives that God doesn't like. Because who here is perfect? Nobody, right? Nobody. Get it out of your life. That's what Joash did. That's what Josiah did. And it's interesting, when they did this, when they did this, everyone followed him willingly. The people helped Joash build the, uh, repair the temple. Uh, there's a national revival with Josiah. Dads, when we get right, I shouldn't say 100% of the time, but most of the time, your family will willingly follow. They just want a good leader. Dads, if God's touching, touching something in your life you need to get rid of and you get rid of it, your wife's not going to say, well, what was that for? <laughs> Did she, most of the time, she is not. If she, if she does do that, then you have issues there as well. But if you're a good leader, your people are going to follow. Dads, be that leader. Husbands, be that leader that, that your family needs. Get rid of stuff that's in your life that's bad, that the Lord, that Lord puts his finger on. Uh, so both men got rid of the wrong in their kingdoms. Uh, both men didn't waver from the truth. We'll stay here in 2 Kings. We're going to look at 22. Go back to verse 2. 2 Kings 22, verse 2. <clears throat> it says, and this is talking about Josiah here, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Wouldn't that be a great testimony? If you could say that, I walked in the ways my entire life. I didn't veer off one way or the other. Man, I wish, I don't know if anyone here can, I can't say that. I don't think we all can, anyone here can say it. But that would be a great testimony, wouldn't we? Maybe if you veer off, veer right back on. If it's a little detour, it's okay, get back on. I'm not saying detour, but stay in the path of the Lord, where the Lord has it, right there in the center. Go to 2 Chronicles 24, verse 2. 2 Chronicles 24, 2, we're talking about Joash here. Both men didn't waver from the truth. 2 Chronicles 24, 2 says, And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. So these two men found the truth. Uh, they, stuck, they stuck to the truth. We're going to go to Amos 5, verse 14. We're going to come back to 2 Chronicles, so keep your hands here. We're going to go to Amos 5, verse 14. When we have the truth, follow it all the days of your life. Amos 5, 14. Because sometimes we get the truth. And you know what happens to us? We come to church... And we come to church Sunday, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We come Wednesday night, or if you have church Thursday night, either one, you're here all the time. And you know what happens after a while? You get tired. You really do. I work 16 years for myself, lawn care, doing a lot of work. Wednesdays were hard to get to, but we got there. And I'd get there. But after a while, you know what happens? You get tired. And people get tired. And they know what the truth is, and they keep going, but they get tired, and they just kind of veer off. Or it gets a little, it's a little easier just to veer off. They get in that little rut there. And they don't follow the truth. Amos 5.14 says, Hate the evil and love the good. And establish... Jo- oh, that's, four, that's... Excuse me, wrong verse. 14. Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. You have to follow the truth. The Bible says, seek good. We have to look for it. It's not just lay out there in the open. We have to look for it and search it and follow it and stay in that path. Because it's so easy to get off that path. The world is pushing so much junk on us. I feel bad for kids growing up today. I really do. And growing up, I didn't have, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. We didn't have anything. I grew up without a TV. We didn't, have, we didn't have this constant bombardment of wickedness on us. But now, oh, the wickedness of the world. You can't even drive down the road and you see billboards that are awful. You see, we, we crossed, we, I, we, was, we were in Indiana this morning. We, we crossed mile marker one and on 90, was it 94 we came in? I think so. I travel way too much. 94, mile marker one. I see six billboards the moment I cross into Michigan. Three for a casino and three for pot shops. It's like, what in the world? 
This is, what's this world coming to? I'm not knocking Michigan. It's just it's the world. This is how it is. It really, there's a, I didn't even, even tell my wife this. I went up to um, northern Michigan a couple weeks ago, and they, there's a billboard there for a pot shop with two of the dumbest looking people in the history of the world on it. It's like, if you're going to advertise marijuana, don't pick stupid looking people, okay? <laughs> pick smart looking people, not people who look like they've been smashing your head against the wall the last two years, okay? Like, <laughs> I saw that they're, they're like, there's two guys like, <sighs> like that, like, oh my goodness, get good looking, smart looking people, okay? Not two dummies. Man, sin makes you stupid, by the way. It really does. <laughs> it really does. But don't waver from the truth. When you find the truth, Follow it all the days of your life. Uh, 2 Kings 22, verse 10. 2 Kings 22, verse 10. We've read these verses before, so we're gonna, I'm going to jump down to verse 13. It says, Go ye inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that is, uh, which is written concerning us. And find that scripture and follow it. Lord, Lord gave us a, he gave us a gift. And the King James Bible is a gift. Oh, it's a gift for us. And if you don't read it, if you don't follow it, you're just, you're just doing yourself a disservice. How many Christians, I firmly believe, if you can read, read your Bible every single day. You really can. We can look at our phones every single day. We can look at, read your Bible every single day. That's, what, that's why God gave it to us. It's not to bring Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and just use it as a, as a book or as a, as a doorstop the rest of the week, does it? He gave it to us to study and to read. So find the scriptures and follow it. And even if it does offend people, we have to stick to the truth. I mean, look at Josiah here again in 2 Kings 23. We're not going to read it. But all the stuff he did, it's going to offend people. I'm not saying we have to be mean and nasty and be a jerk. We don't have to. But the Bible is still an offense. The truth is still offense. Sin is sin. I have sin in my life. Every one of us has sin in our life. And it's offensive to me when I have... But I'd rather, I, I don't want to offend the Lord with my sin. I'd rather, Lord, I'd rather the Bible offend me with my sin than me offend the Lord with my sin, right? I want to get rid of the sin out of my life. So you see, these, these guys had a couple, they had several good things. Both got rather rid of the wrong in their kingdoms. They both didn't waver from the truth. But there's one problem. Josiah had heart knowledge. Joash had head knowledge. We're going to look at 2, we're going to look at 2 Chronicles 24. Again, we're going to 2 Chronicles 24. One of these men had the character to follow the Lord on his own. See, the difference between these two men, how one stayed to the end and how the other veered off, comes down to character, comes down to one thing. It was a choice. It was a choice. Second Chronicles 24.2. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. That's a good verse, isn't it? What's that last phrase say? All the days of Jehoiada the priest. He needs someone to take his hand and lead him through it. If you need that to start off with, good. <clears throat> you can't follow the Lord out of obligation your entire life. Because at some point, you're going to get tired. At some point, you're going to go off. At some point in your life, you have to sit down and say, I'm following the Lord. Not for my pastor. I'm not following the Lord for my wife. I'm not following the Lord for my parents. I'm not following the Lord for my kids. I'm following the Lord because He is right. I'm wrong. I'm following the Lord because I love Him. That's why, that's the difference. You can follow, like I said, you can follow out of obligation for a while. Then when the hardships of life come, you're going to fall off. You can follow your pastor for a while, but your pastor's not going to be here all the time. He's not. Lord's going to call him home someday. Hopefully, hopefully, how old do you want to be? When you, <laughs> hopefully, 60 more years, 70 more years, but he's not going to be around the rest of our lifetime. He's not. He can lead you in a path for a while, but at some point, you need to sit down and you say, Lord, I'm following you for you. 
Go back to 2 Kings 22, please. 2 Kings 22, 19. This is the difference between Josiah and Joash. Joash did it because someone else was making him. Someone else made him follow the Lord. Yeah, he had some good points. And he did. And he started out well, but he ended bad. You know, I'd rather start out bad and end well than start out well and end bad. You know, maybe that's bad grammar. Poorly. How's that? I'm not sure. 2 Kings 22, verse 19 says, because, This is God talking to Josiah. Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Isn't Josiah's heart? He wanted to serve the Lord because his heart was tender, and he humbled himself and said, Lord, I'm following you from the heart. You've got to follow the Lord from the heart. You can't follow him from the head. Because the head thinks differently than the heart, doesn't it? You gotta, the Lord, once the Lord has your heart, man, he has you. The difference, the difference between these two men is the head and the heart. Joash said, all right, Jehoiada, I'm going to do what you... We're going to go back to 2 Chronicles 24. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to do because I have to do it. And we're going to do some things. He accomplished some things. He did some good things in his life. But he didn't go all the way to the end. 2 Chronicles 24, verse 15. But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old when he, uh, was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and toward his house. Now after the death, death of Jehoiada, here's the problem with Joash. After the death of Jehoiada came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. And they left the house of the Lord, of, Lord God of their fathers and served groves and idols. And wrath came upon, Jerusalem and, and upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. And if you look down and if you read further... Jehoiada's son came and preached against Joash, and what happened? Did Joash say, oh, you're right? I'm going to serve the Lord? He killed him. He murdered him. He stoned him. That's how he got so far up. He didn't have, the, the Lord wasn't his God, of, wasn't the Lord of his heart. He said, I need someone else, to, uh, someone else to lead me. I need someone else to make me do right. If you need someone else to make you do right, you have no character. Because how many times are we alone during the day? A lot, aren't we? We're alone a lot. Maybe, maybe you're going to bed, whatever it is. Maybe you work alone. We're alone a lot. And if someone's not there to make us do right, we won't do right. Your character is garbage. It is. It's a choice. You don't, you don't follow the Lord your whole life by accident. You don't walk like, oh, oh Lord, how long have you been there? <laughs> I didn't see you sneak up on me. You, it's not an accident. It's a choice. It's a conscious decision. You sit down and say, Lord, I'm following you. I'm doing right. I'm doing what you want me to do because I have character to follow Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's a choice. We're going to go to some, fam- uh, some popular verses here, famous verses, Joshua twenty four fifteen. Everyone knows this verse. Everyone has this verse. I think I saw you have this verse in your bathroom. And I appreciate that. Although I saw the weirdest thing, I told my wife this morning, we stopped at a gas station. Yes, I'm going there. In the bathroom. Guys, do not write God loves you in bathroom stalls, okay? <laughs> Someone did that this morning. I don't know why they did it. I was at a bathroom, and they wrote God loves you. And someone decided they were going to scratch out God and put Satan. So then someone decided to scratch out Satan and put God. It's like, guys, we're not accomplishing anything, okay? Don't write on bathroom stalls, okay? I don't care if it's Christian graffiti, don't do it. It's just weird, okay? I, sorry, your son in the bathroom reminded me of that. Because I came out and told my wife, I was like, why are these guys doing this in this bathroom stall? It's stupid. <laughs> but second, Joshua 24, 15, very famous verse here. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, and we all know this, but as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. Amen. Now, I've, seen that, I've seen that in houses where they have wine bottles right underneath it. <laughs> Maybe they should uh, get rid of the sign there. I don't know. But as for me, seriously, I don't know what's wrong with them. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A conscious decision. I'm not getting away from that. We can go to Deuteronomy 30. We're going to read about four or five choices here. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. We're almost done here. So whoever is taking a nap, you might want to start waking up here. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. <clears throat> I see a lot of kids here. And some of them are sleeping even. But <laughs> I see a lot of kids here. At some point, teenagers, at some point, God has to stop being the God of your parents. And he has to be your own God. I'm not talking about salvation. I know if you're saved, I'm, one, I'm so happy for that. But at some point, he has to be your God. That's the, I sat down one day, I said, Lord, you're my Lord. You're, not, you're my dad's Lord as well, but you're my Lord. You're my God. At some point, we have to sit down and say this. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against, to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. We can go to Psalm 119, verse 30. Psalm 119, verse 30. You know what I appreciate? I appreciate second, third, fourth generation Christians that say, Lord, you're my Lord. God, you're my God. I appreciate that. Because I've seen so many just fall off the wayside. Um, I, pray, I pray every day that God becomes the God of my kids. I want him to be my God, but I want him to be God of my kids too. I want my kids to get that, get that light where, oh, he's not mom and dad's God. He's my God. I appreciate Ethan King there. I do appreciate you. You're still in a good Bible-believing church. You know my second generation? I grew up in a Christian church. I grew up in a Bible-believing church. I've seen a lot of Christians, a lot of kids my age, not any kids anymore, but kids younger than me, leave. Because they didn't choose to do right. Psalm 119 verse 30 says, I have chosen the way of truth. The judgments have laid before me. 2 Samuel 10 uh, verse 12. This will be the last verse we read here. 2 Samuel 10 verse 12. I I want to encourage, I want to push across this point tonight. Choose to serve the Lord. Because you know what the Lord's going to say? If you choose to serve the Lord, He's not going to say, Yeah, you know what? I don't want you. <laughs> no vacancies, okay? I'm not hiring right now. He's not going to say that. God wants to sit down and, and serve Him. Joab here in this. I know some people have issues with Joab. I personally like him. I need my oldest son after him. Mostly because I want him to kill all my enemies. No, I'm just joking. No. <laughs> I don't have any enemies, okay? 2 Samuel 10, verse 12. This is the story here when, when Joab was surrounded by the, the Ammonites and the Syrians. Uh, behind, in front of them, the Syrians behind them, they were surrounded. Second Samuel 10, verse 12 says, Be of good, He's talking to his brother here. Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth right to him. At some point, we're going to be surrounded by the world, aren't we? At some point, actually probably now, we're surrounded by the world. It doesn't look, doesn't look very, uh, very bright and cheery. The world wants to kill us. They really do. Satan hates us. Satan hates what we're standing for. He hates the fact that we're here at church Sunday night. He hates the fact that I'm a missionary. He hates the fact that you're Christians. He hates the fact that you want to tell people about Jesus Christ. He hates your pastor. He does. And he gets the world to hate us. They want to kill us. They're all around us. Joab looks at Abishai and says, Well, it's been a good ride. <laughs> and he said, We're going to be men. We're choosing. We're going to fight our way out. And if you read it, they, yeah, they won. They, they beat them both pretty bad. But he said, We're going to do what's right. We're going to play the men for our people. Sometimes we just need to sit down and say, I'm going to play the Christian for my, for my Savior. I'm not saying fake, okay? I'm not saying fake play. We're going to be the Christians that our Savior needs us to be. 
It takes guts to do it. It takes guts to sit down and tell the Lord, I'm serving you no matter what, no matter who punches me in the face, no matter who stabs me in the back. Uh, Christians do that to you as well, sadly. They will. They do. They do every day. But it takes guts to sit there and say, Lord, I'm serving you. I choose to serve you. I just want to, I want to encourage this. Don't be like Joash. Man, he started out well, accomplished a lot, but his, the God wasn't his God. He did not choose to, God to be his own God. He was followed because someone was holding his hand. It's like little training wheels. My, my kids, when they started riding, you know, they, they, read tra- they, they rode their bike with little training wheels. It would look weird if I rode around with training wheels, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think I'd be a little awkward if I rode around with training wheels. And the moment you take my training wheels off, I kind of fall off to the side. Everyone would laugh at me, and I would deserve it. Right? It's the same way. It's the same way in the spiritual life. We have, we have people holding our hands, and the moment they hold our hands, we fall over. Because we didn't choose the Lord. Take those training wheels off. Serve the Lord on your own, with your own accord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for these examples we have, Josiah and Joash. Lord, please help us to choose to do right. Lord, it is a choice. We don't accidentally do, do right. We do it on purpose. Lord, many times we accidentally do wrong because we haven't sat down and decided that you are our God. Lord, please be our God. Please help these kids here to grasp that concept of a, of a personal God that they can serve and they can love. And please help them just do that the rest of their lives. Lord, if it is you all in your name, amen.